You are listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast exploring scripture with Dr. T. Michael W. Halcombe and Dr. Frederick J. Long. Welcome and enjoy. Hi there. Welcome back to Proof Text. I'm Professor Fred Long, and I'm with uh, Dr. Michael Halcombe. And we have started this, this podcast to talk about texts and scripture in a way that we attempt to prove um, the points that we're making so that we uh, aren't relying simply on pulling texts out of context and uh, proof texting in a negative way, P-R-O-F texting. We don't want to proof text, but we want to prove what we're saying by careful attention to what is said in scripture. So I'm with mm. Michael. Michael, how are you doing? I'm all right. Good. Good to be recording. Yeah, we're we're in the second season, and we're focusing at least the first half of the season on prayer. And so, last uh, podcast we looked at a our experiences, some of our early experiences with prayer, and then ventured some definitions and had a nice discussion on praying. And one verse that came to light came up was First Thessalonians five seventeen, which is a great verse if you're memorizing scripture. You can memorize it almost immediately. It's two words. <laughs> it's only shorter. There's only one verse shorter, and that is Jesus wept. But this one is pretty short too. Pray without ceasing. What does that mean? How is it possible that we can pray without ceasing? Michael, I'd be curious to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, I think this is a... This is one of those verses that just throws people for a loop, right? It just doesn't make yeah. any sense. Uh, Feel guilty just reading the verse. <laughs> <laughs> it's in it, it. I mean, how can any one person do anything like you know all the time, right? So it just seems, yeah, it seems impossible beyond reach. Um, so perhaps there are some contextual clues here to to help us look at this i, I yeah. think maybe it'd be good, good. to good, uh good. be good to see what is yeah. the context of yeah. what paul's saying so let me throw a question back your way i've okay. written on i've written some on first thessalonians uh, for my dissertation even but what is your perspective of what's happening you know, what what has precipitated paul uh, writing this letter what are some of the things he's dealing with well, there's obviously some confusion, like in all of his letters, he's addressing some kind of confusion. And there seems to be some confusion about how to understand certain events historically yeah. and whether the Lord might have already come or right. maybe the day of the Lord had already come. My own personal view is that there was some persecution breaking out and uh, there's confusion whether this is God's judgment or eminent judgment upon the whole world. Uh, this, this is causing disruption as well as the fact that certain people have died. Right. And, and, and so people are worried, are they, are they lost? If, if this is the end times, if they've just died, are they missing out on things? And so Paul is writing to encourage these young believers. It's in the context of persecution in the context of Paul needing to defend his ministry, and he has to define some things. He says, this is God's will, your sanctification. 
Yeah. And he also defines that in terms of love and the need to love. And then, and then he has a good part of chapters four and five has to do with how to explain certain time sequences of, of when Christ will return. And before then he moves here at the end to issue some final exhortations. Yeah. So those are some of my views. How about you? What? Uh, what yeah, you I, I, I agree with, I agree with all that. I think all okay. that's right on points. Um, and particularly the, the concern of those who have, uh, who have already died and, and mm-hmm. what does that mean for us that, mm-hmm. you know, and what does it mean for them? You know, so yeah. there's like, there's some confusion about the parousia and um, Christ's return and yeah. the the consequences of that. And so Paul is is largely dealing with that. It's it's caused some problems, but yes, the persecution thing as well. And so Paul's reminding them, you know, uh, in the midst of persecution um, and in the midst of waiting for the return of the Lord, that uh, they have this call what you you said you know sanctification and so he's telling them you know put on faith and love and salvation you know he's uses the military example military clothing the breastplate and the helmet Mm -hmm. and um Mm -hmm. and so when he gets here uh, right near the end of his letter he's he's telling telling the folks there in thessaloniki Mm -hmm. Encourage each other in this, you know, build each other. You guys are already doing it, but just keep at it. Keep doing it and acknowledge like one another. When you do that, admonish each other and hold each other up in love um, and live in peace together and uh, don't return wrong for wrong. And then this is right where he says, you know, just rejoice always pray without ceasing or pray continually give thanks to in all circumstances for this is God's will for you and Jesus in Christ Jesus. Don't quench the spirit. Right. Yep. And so there's a, there's this, um, these, this set of, uh, quick commands, yeah. um, a set of commands and, and in Greek, these are imperative. The imperative mood are being used. What I find interesting is that they're all in the present tense which is conveying an imperfective aspect, which would right. be conveying a sense of habitual, repeated action, like ongoing kind of action. So be at peace with yourselves, like always, you know, be repeatedly, be being at peace with one another, you know? And so when he says, re- be rejoicing always, we want to say, you know, be rejoicing. This is kind of a, an ongoing kind of disposition um, that we're t- t- encouraged to have, commanded to have, requested to have, be praying unceasingly and be giving thanks in everything. So rejoicing always and be giving thanks always. Each of those, so verse 16, 17, and 18, they also have an interesting structure too. Each of them begins with the adverb place first. So always be rejoicing, mm. unceasingly be praying in everything be giving thanks so the word order is is really stressing kind of this in in what we would say inclusive scope command like always there's this always sense that's being stressed in the greek text 
by the fronted placement of these modifiers, these adverbs, always unceasingly and in everything. Hmm. Yeah. So I guess the so we've we've got some of the context, um, both grammatically and uh, just literarily. The, I guess part of the next question is, what is this? What is the significance of this? Um, is this attainable? Like, is is this this ideal? Like, you know, like can this really happen, or is it just an ideal to to seek after? Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think that we we can uh, do these things um, always. We talked in a previous episode about a, a certain posture, right? Um, and we, we were talking about the, the posture of the body, but, uh, we, we also have a, a heart posture and a mind posture, or we, we might say a heart disposition and a mind disposition. And for, for lots of Wesleyans like myself who hold to, to a view of entire sanctification, um, we do believe that, uh, you know, uh, this 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 sort of thing is possible, but even beyond that, I think I think the what makes this possible is not really anything that you or I necessarily do, but what the spirit within us is doing. Right. So the the fact that I can rejoice always, or anyone could rejoice always, is is not born out of their power, or their ability, or their just will, but out of the spirit in them that is able to make that happen. The same thing with with uh, prayer without ceasing or praying continually. That uh, we'll, we'll talk about this, I think, perhaps in the in the next. Uh, on the other side of the break in just a few minutes, but in, in Romans, I think Paul alludes to this, that, that really the spirit, you know, is when we're praying in a sense, it's really the spirit that's, that's praying in us. And yeah. um, I want to push. Yeah. I want to push back on you just a little bit because you've kind of, you've kind of pulled the plug from the (laughs) bathtub right now. You're letting all the bath water out. And I think the baby might go out with the bath tub water on this one just (laughs) because i mean grammatically these are command forms right these are requests commands petitions you know so in other words this is something that we're commanded to do but if you're saying it's not us doing it no i'm not i'm not saying the wind out of what is being said here no i i appreciate that pushback um yeah i'm not saying we're wholly uninvolved and that has okay. nothing it has nothing to do with us but that the starting point for this is not us right it's it's okay. the spirit that lives within us and even the middle and end point uh it's the spirit that's empowering that to happen sure. right it's, yeah, Does that yeah. take responsibility off of us then? No, I don't think so. I, okay. I think it relieves, I think, it's, it's, it relieves a little bit of pressure maybe, but aren't we still kind of on the hook? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think so. There, there's still that, that part of us that we, we need to do this. But uh, my point is that the source of that is 
not us, not by our might, strength or will or whatever, um, that it's, it's only by the spirit that we can do this. Yeah. And I think that's a point well taken. I mean, there, there are times where maybe a lot often where we're, I'd say, Lord, you got to help, help me here. I mean, I, I want to be willing, but I, I'm hardly willing, you know, I just have a little bit of faith and Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm drained. I'm tired. I'm whatever. And, um, this seems unachievable to me. Um, and so certainly we we need the Lord to come alongside of our will, the Lord's will to come alongside of our will to help animate. And certainly our will is always animated by God's, even when we do bad things, Mm -hmm. that's what makes doing bad things so bad is because (laughs) as C.S. Lewis says, we take an otherwise good energy and use it for bad. I mean, that's right. what makes sin so heinous is that it's that everything was supposed to be for good. Our bodies, our thoughts, our hands, whatever we're doing, the energy. Yeah. And we're using it for evil. So yeah, everything that we do is dependent on the Lord. Um, but he, he certainly wants to really encourage us in these regards. Well, yeah, I think, you know, now, and he, he says that we are called to live obedient lives. And then this is interesting the way he puts this. We're called to live obedient lives. That is lives of unceasing prayer. And then he, mm. I love what he says. Here. He says mm-hmm. unceasing, not because of the many prayers we say, but mm-hmm. because of our alertness to the unceasing prayer of God's spirit within and among us. Mm. Right. And so even when we can't find the words to pray, we'll talk about that. The spirit is still praying within us and those groans and moans. And, um, and part of what we're doing in prayer when we can't even find the things to say is just being alert and attentive that man is the spirit working within us. Like the spirit's yeah. praying now. Yeah. Um, and Moltmann would say, I, I like this too. He says, it isn't, uh, praying isn't just something that humans do. He says, the whole creation prays without ceasing in the breath of the spirit. And that that's pretty amazing uh, mm-hmm. to me to, to think about that, that uh, the earth, right? The planet with all its living things, um, yeah it's doing what God himself does in the world through his spirit. It's, it's praying. It's, it's, it's calling out to God it's pleading to God. And this is why Moltmann will go on to say that um, if you don't pray, right, n- not praying uh, means to not be awake. <laughs> it, it means yeah. to be, it means to be numb to God's presence. Yeah. Like if you're not praying, you're numb, you're asleep, you're numb to God's presence. Um, But I really like that, that um, even, you know, it isn't always the words uh, because sometimes it's just a spirit praying in us. It was being alert to what the spirit is doing and saying within us, right? That that, that's prayer. Yeah. Yeah. This really, really gets to the question, you know, begs the question, what is prayer? Yeah. So prayer is in relationship is being in relationship with God, the father, son, and Holy spirit. And all of us are swimming in that reality, whether we acknowledge it or not. Right. Yes. We're, we're already in a stance of praying. It's just a matter of what is it we're praying for. Um, 
and you know what is what and and how cognizant are we of that of that praying yeah, I would say even add to that, it's it's not even always just a matter of what we're praying for, but a matter of also being alert to what the spirit within us is praying for. Yes, aligning or yeah, listening. So not just us speaking, but but listening to God, um, acknowledging God's presence, and acknowledging what God is doing, and seek yeah, seeking what He is doing in the world, and wanting to be attentive to that. And then but, align oneself with that. That's would all you, a part of a prayer. Yeah. Would you be, um, so how was I going to say this? Where, where he says here in verse 17, 1 Thessalonians 5, said, pray continually, pray without ceasing. Um, I mean, you, mm-hmm. you don't think that he's, he's always meaning you have to say words, right? You're not, you wouldn't. No. No, no, no yeah, because yeah. last podcast, I you know, said 89% of, commu- of all yeah. communication is nonverbal. Yeah. So no, I, a lot of this has to do with, I mean, when I wake up in the morning, I, I try to just have a sense of God. Yeah. Like I might even say good morning or, yes. you know, but just, I just try to be aware of his ongoing presence and there's different means that he speaks through which he speaks. Yes. Written out prayers, scripture, of course, people, circumstances, yeah. sometimes, sometimes, you know, I get thumped kind of hard because, you know, my life circumstance, I'm like, okay, whoa, I got, a, I just got a speeding ticket. <laughs> Not only is that expensive, but why am I being so hasty, hmm. you know, in my life? So that begins to communicate something to me. Um, right. Now, sometimes it's more neutral and it's, you know, I can't blame myself. It's just like I live in a fallen world, but sometimes it is on me. It's on me. Why am I going so fast? What, what am I impatient about? these kinds of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of, as I'm thinking about this, I mean, it, it seems like I'm, I could imagine, let me play devil's advocate here a little bit that we're yeah. waxing pretty eloquent, you know? <laughs> so when it comes to unceasingly be praying, if we redefine prayer so broadly, then that becomes very doable. And in fact, it almost seems like we can be unconscious and do it in a sense, but yeah. how, but how do we, how would we understand the, the surrounding verses Verse 16, always be rejoicing. Yeah. Or uh, always be giving thanks. That that those are that's much harder, it seems like. We can't do the same kind of maneuvering to call it maneuvering. I'm not sure it yeah. is, but you know, is it how do we understand those verses? It seems like we've pulled, we've done something with praying that maybe can't be done with those verses unless we totally redefine rejoicing yeah i don't know thanks i think i guess part of the question would be how much do 16 17 and 18 uh link into 19 i think they link in a lot you know he says don't quench the spirit do not quench the spirit and again this Mm -hmm. is where i would say that it's it's not it's not out of it doesn't begin with me, the rejoicing. Like the only way that I can rejoice is by the spirit's prompting and the spirit's enabling. The only way that I can pray is by the spirit's prompting and enabling. And the only way that I can legitimately give thanks is by the spirit's prompting and enabling. And so for me, yeah, yeah, for me, not quenching the spirit, the opposite is be alert 
to the spirit. When, when the spirit is moving in you and urging you to give thanks, do it, you know, and, and, and praying continually, you know, be alert and, and these sorts of things. So it's just an alertness and attentiveness to what the spirit is doing in me and always being in a position or a state of alertness. Um, so yeah. that, yeah, I think that, I think that makes sense. I guess I would wish you would have begun with the spirit. <laughs> So if I were to rewrite Paul, uh, I would say, why did you start with that? Now, maybe yeah. there's a chiasm here yeah. that might help solve the centrality of the spirit. Maybe if we looked at that carefully enough, because to yeah. me, the, sp- you know, the spirit would be the key to these kinds of things. Um, and maybe we just get that from the context, but yeah. uh, well, let's, Let's go ahead and take a break and uh, listen to our sponsor. And we'll come back. We'll uh, take a closer look at the spirit's role as we look at Romans 8. Looking for creative ways to launch your biblical language studies to the next level? We here at Glosa House create resources with you in mind. We've created a stock of innovative and cutting-edge audio, video, digital, and print resources to help you reach your language goals. Visit GlosaHouse.com to find what you've been looking for. Glosa House, language resources for the global community. All right, welcome back to the second uh, podcast of season two of Prove Text. And we're talking about prayer, and I'm with uh, Michael Halcom. I'm Fred Long, and we, the first half we've been talking about pondering what does it mean, First Thessalonians five seventeen to unceasingly be praying. And Michael keeps pressing in to this, <laughs> this <laughs> pressing in on the on the, the our reliance on the Spirit as the context by which this is even possible. And so this then leads us to look more closely at Romans 8, 26 and 27. And so, Michael, what do you see happening in this verse? What are these verses in Romans? How do we contextualize them? And what are these verses saying? Oh, man, this is this is a big deal. Paul is Paul has a lot going on uh, in Romans, but especially, you know, Romans 8 through uh, 11, 8 through 12. Um, so there's a there's a lot going on here, but in particular, yeah, we wanted to look at 26 and 7, but the immediately preceding verses, uh, Paul is talking about how the creation is in the state of anguish as it waits um, as, as it waits on God. And he says in 19, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And 20, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subject, subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. And then he goes on, I'm reading a lot here, but we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And this goes back, I was saying on the other side of the break, um, you know, that, that the whole, whole creation in a sense uh, is praying without ceasing. 
And there's only one way that, that that can happen is that it's spirit empowered. And so he says in 23, not only so, but we ourselves, we who have the first fruits of the spirit, we have the first fruits of the spirit. We groan inwardly as we eagerly await for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? Uh, and he says, we hope for what we do not yet have. This is all this sort of future thing that we, we were talking about, especially in episode one of this season. So we wait for it patiently, the nowness and the thinness. Um, and this is this, these verses we're looking at in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for. I mean, I, I take a lot of comfort in the apostle saying that, you know, there, there are sometimes we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And that, that, that goes right back, I think to what, you know, I was, Part of the point I was trying to to get at uh, in defining, you know, prayer in the the preceding episode is this sort of this uh, pleading for God, um, and, and and when we get to the New Testament, this pleading for God that the the world isn't as it should be. So bring your the fullness of your future kingdom backward for a moment and help us to set set this right. Help us to make this right now look a little bit more like that or a lot more like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm so intrigued here by the, the notion that the spirit who dwells within us isn't like external, right? This is the spirit who dwells within us. The spirit who dwells within us is interceding for us sometimes with groans, wordless mm-hmm. groans, um, mm-hmm. perhaps other time with this full, full blown, full blown prayer, but either way, the spirit in us is interceding for us. And this is what I was getting at before that I, the only way like we can truly pray is that uh, is by the initiation and empowerment of the spirit. Yeah. Um, It almost seems, it seems, I mean, obviously first Thessalonians is written before Romans. It seems like he's, he's done a lot more. I mean, he's he's unpacking this in a way that he was unable to for some reason in first Thessalonians, either because he hadn't quite understood it fully yet, or just wasn't the main issue there. Right. But he's, he's really expounding it here. And this is really a test to the, the, the scriptural interpretive principle of scripture interprets scripture. When we're Mm -hmm. looking at certain passages, we're, often wrong to think that the totality of revelation is found only in the verses that we're looking at. We must look at scriptures in light of the broader revelation uh, of, found within the word of God and, and depending on where we are in, in mm. the word of God. And here Paul is basking in the post-resurrection of Jesus, the, the after-resurrection event of Jesus, which, which unleashes the spirit um, to believers in a way that has changed the world 
It, it literally right. has changed the world. And in, in Romans here, he is reaching a, a pre-climactic point in the letter. I think there are three different climactic points in, in Revelation. I mean, Re Romans, uh, high points of intensity. Hmm. And one of them is, right, is, is coming right here in chapter 8, which is eventually going to say, what can separate us from the love of God? Hmm. And, and a big part of, of, of what makes us overcomers in this world is, is Jesus giving us the Holy Spirit. And, and that Holy Spirit communicates God's love to us. And, and, and really nothing can separate us from that love, although he doesn't mention unbelief. Right. But, but that's assumed because, because of unbelief, not believing, people are cut out of God's purposes, at least for, for a temporary measure in, in Romans 8 through uh, 9 through 11. That's the point. So, yeah, there's a, there's a climax being achieved right here in the discourse, a high point. And really, Michael, as you're reading through the previous verses, what caught my attention in a big, big way is verse 23. And not only this, so not only is the, is the whole creation green, uh, groaning, not only is the whole creation right. groaning, but we ourselves also having the first fruit of the spirit. And then he repeats, like I'm translating literally the Greek, it says, but also ourselves having the first fruit of the spirit. We also ourselves in ourselves are groaning. Yes. Having obtained sonship or adoption, adoption, I should say, uh, which is the redemption of our body. There's just a lot of stress on our agency, we ourselves, but it's an agency that's born by having the fruit, first fruit of the spirit. Yeah. I would say it's a co-agency. Um, it's, it's, you know, our, we have freedom. We're freed in Christ. We have a freed will in Christ, the, the, the work of God in Christ through the power of the spirit is to free us from the power of sin. And Paul has been really stressing this point. A lot of times we think of the gospel as, for, as only forgiveness from sins. And that is really glorious. Yes, we need that forgiveness. Praise God for that forgiveness. But it's more than that. It's freedom. It is freedom from the, the slavery of sin. And if you have any question about this, go back and read Romans eight, uh, 6, 6, and then through 7, and then to 8. And uh, wow, there's a tremendous freed will that's going on here where we are groaning. So not, it's not only the creation, all the creation that's groaning, but it's now us through, right. through the Spirit. And this kind of gets to your point that you were making in a big way. But also just that this the, the point that you made about the forward looking, the kind of the eschatological nature of praying, that praying is forward looking. And uh, yeah, it's like it's forward, it's forward looking and backward bringing, you know, um, it's a weird thing, right, to like think about going into the future and bringing the future backward. Yeah. Um, uh, well, that's, that's found in verse 24. Yeah. What you just said is found in verse 44. For, he says, for by faith or for, I mean, for hope, we were saved. Hmm. So we were saved, past tense. 
by hope or for hope. There's the future. So mm -hmm. we are experiencing, we're like a God's past salvation, which is forward looking, but we experience it in the present. So yes. our present is always the convergence of God's salvific past and future salvation. Yes. We're just like walking in this bubble of the past salvation and the future salvation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the analogy of um, this is dress rehearsal for the big mm -hmm. dance, you know, or the, the, the wedding feast. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like that. But yeah, I, I think uh, here again, we're, we're seeing the, the, it is the spirit who prays within us and, and being uh, alert is the best word I can come up attuned, maybe, you know, being attuned to what, what it is, the spirits groaning or saying or doing within us. And that, mm. that is how prayer is unceasing, right? It's, it's that this, the spirit in us continually does it and does not cease doing it mm -hmm. yet Yet, even when we are on a, we're not aware, we're not attuned, we're not alert, the spirit's t continually doing it, but the unalertness falls on us. And so it also, it also falls on us yeah. to become alert once again. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and yeah. so that, that comes to the agency part that you were, you yeah. were sort of pushing back uh, and yeah. on before the break. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering is part of our agency. I mean, I wonder if part of that, we have to be shaken loose from our complacency or ignorance of how bad things are, right? <laughs> if, if prayer is really trying to align ourselves with God's inbreaking best future for us, mm. we, what that implies is that our present is really, really, pale in comparison if not even bad or <laughs> even tragic and and so what we need and what the spirit brings about is a groaning yeah which implies something is wrong now. yes yes something is wrong now and it's almost like then our prayer life is born out of that 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 wrongness that awareness there's yeah, awareness of the wrongness. And unless yes. we have the awareness of the wrongness, we're not going to be in a position of prayer. And you know what? There's, um, you know, when am I praying the most? It's when I'm downbeaten. Right. Should I be praying more than that? Yes. Am I trying to be more aware of that? Yes. But when, when do people really get serious? Right. <laughs> when do they tend to really get serious? When right. they're groaning, when they're down for the count, when they're hurt, when they're obviously hurting. And I think, um, the world, and if we bring the evil one into this continent, this setting that we're in, because Jesus actually, as he taught us to pray, he culminates with deliver us from the evil one. Mm -hmm. I think the evil one would have us think nothing is wrong. Right. Or to just cave, to cave to the wrongness and the badness and just to medicate mm -hmm. rather than yeah. to groan and await a better future and to align with that better future in a prayerful community. Instead, he would drown us in our misery yeah, or numb us in, well, that's a numbing too, but also numb us in, in our successes. 
Right. So we're oblivious. So we're just wealthy and well taken care of. And we don't groan. We don't yeah. pray. Yeah. Yeah. You, you had mentioned earlier, kind of just going back to something you touched on that when you wake up in the morning, you, you try to have this awareness of, of God's mm-hmm. presence. I, same for me. The first thing I do when I wake up after push the alarm button or whatever is just that I say a little kind of the same prayer every, every morning. Uh, Moltman has this Moltman has this thing where he says like uh, people who thank God every morning for the new day of their lives, uh, people who praise God through their delight in existence and glorify him through their love for life. He says, they're not doing something singular. He says, they're only doing what all creatures do universally and unceasingly each in its own way. Hmm. I I love that. So for the person who has the spirit that that's precisely what should happen when we wake up, right? Uh, Merton Thomas Merton has this line where he says, um, uh, a tree glorifies God the most by being a tree. Yeah. If it were to cease being a tree, it would cease to glorify God or it would glorify God less. And I think for we who have the spirit within us, that's precisely what we do when, when this sun rises and, you know, the the trees are glorifying God, well, that's what they're supposed to do. And similarly, we have the spirit within us. um, That's just what we're supposed to do because that's what the spirit in us does. Right. Um, yeah. I love that picture of, you know, as we kind of bring it to a close here, you know, what, what is it, what does it mean to be a human being? We're obviously created to be in fellowship with one another, but, but prim- primarily with God. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not one or the other. It's really, it's, it's, yes, it's both. God created us to be, as social creatures reflecting his Trinitarian right. everlasting relationship. And the beautiful picture of Adam and Eve in the garden is walking and being in fellowship with him. Right. Yep. And, and so the, you know, there was obviously a huge disruption and the disruption had to do with uh, kind of greed also accepting false notions of what is good yeah. And false conceptions of who God is. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? We walk around with troubled conceptions of good. We walk around with focusing on the world and, and seeking and lusting after things that aren't good for us. And then we also have poor conceptions of who God is. And it seems mm-hmm. that prayer is being restored, is restoring that human calling. Of, of being in relationship to God. So one's prayer life is the context in which that healing and restoration takes place and mm. is taking place because right. it is future hoping and looking forward in the future. Hmm. Hmm. Well, um, how about after, uh, 
Do you want you have a parting shot? Do you want to? I don't. Do, I thought I thought oh. it was your turn to do a parting shot. <laughs> okay, I can give a parting shot. That's easy. But how about after I do that? Just since we're on the topic, why don't you say a prayer? Um, sure. and, and and take us out with yeah. um a prayer. But uh, this yeah. one's from Nowen, uh, Henri Nowen. He says, "Love casts out all fear and gathers in all that belongs to God." Prayer which is breathing with the spirit of Jesus leads us to this immense knowledge. Wonderful. If you would um, have any passages on prayer or questions, please send them to us, send them our way, because we're going to camp here for a little bit. I think if there's a year to be praying (laughs) of any years, it would be this year, but of course we always should be praying. So, but uh, yeah, please let us know and uh, let, let me, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, um, we are humbled and bow our hearts before you. Mm. And uh, we just thank you for the gift of life and for sharing that with us. And we are terribly sorry for messing things up and for hurting one another and working against each other in different ways and denying the truth and hiding and hiding from one another and hiding from you. Lord Jesus, we need you more than ever before. And our world is a hurting place. And there is a lot of confusion and hatred and deception happening around us. Lord Jesus, would your spirit please groan within us and help us to groan, help us to acknowledge our lostness and our hurtness and to draw us into closer relationship with you and to those around us, neighbors and enemies alike, Lord. Help us to draw near to people. Lord, we repent and turn away from our wickedness. We acknowledge that we have not loved you with our whole heart, and we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves, and we have not loved ourselves. Lord, we we turn from that. We repent mm. and turn from that, and we are turning to you right now. We just pray for a better year and we thank you for each other. Help us to rejoice always and to always be thankful. And by your spirit, help us to pray unceasingly. Jesus, Mm -hmm. in your name, I pray these things. We pray these things. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you folks for listening. Uh, Until next time. See you then.